Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can always get in touch with the show on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. For those that are listening live, you can text in there with some questions, comments on the show. Also, if you are listening on podcast, we do appreciate it. You can always tweet at us with your questions and get in questions for the mailbag every Friday. So that'll be returning tomorrow, another uh, preseason edition of the mailbag Canucks have another preseason game they'll hit the midway point of the exhibition season with their game against Seattle tonight but we did see them play pretty well against the Oilers a 2-1 OT loss last night and the coach mentioned it after the game sat and I know you and Vic talked about it on the post-game show but in what was like, I, I always try not to get too hyped up over anything that happens in the preseason, whether it's a 10 nothing loss or a valiant effort in a 2 1 loss. Mm-hmm. But I did come away encouraged by what I saw from the new additions, especially Teddy Bluger and Carson Susie. Coach mentioned it after the game. I thought our new additions played really well. You know, it's not always a slam dunk. You know, we thought Curtis Lazar was going to help with the PK last year and do some good things for this team. It was pretty apparent pretty quickly that he wasn't going to be that Mm -hmm. much of a fit for the club. So to see Teddy Bluger get off to a good start and look real confident against the best power play in the league, even if they are in preseason mode, to me, that was the most encouraging thing coming out of last night's game. He he was he wasn't just good on the PK. He was good at, at five on five yeah. as well. And he did play with a lot of energy compared to you know McDavid and Drysaddle had their moments, but they also cruised for a lot of uh, the game as well. Exactly. Right? Like we have to be honest about it. Yeah. Like those guys aren't going as if the games do mean something. Yeah. So I don't want to be like, hey, you know, he went and shut down McDavid and Drysaddle. Yep. You know, like the new addition. That's the third line center we've been looking for. Teddy Bluger's it. I mean, it if a... if Teddy Bluger could consistently shut down Connor McDavid, he wouldn't be making one point nine million dollars on a one year deal. No doubt right but all we can go by is how the game unfolded and how he played compared to those guys and he was essentially hard matched against Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl he was he played the top six exclusively essentially he allowed a grand total of zero high danger scoring chances while he was on the ice pretty good at five on five not bad yeah you'll take that every day of the week yeah and it wasn't like they were creating I mean they did not have the uh shot differential in their advantage when Teddy Bluger was on the ice, but they had the expected goals advantage. Yep. They had the scoring chance differential. So it was very impressive from a stats perspective. Also going going up against those types of players. It's encouraging, right? And, and, I mean, even for the eye test, you could and just watching, you're like, wow, Teddy Bluger really stands out. Yeah. And I mean, the, and the coach mentioned that he played like it was a regular season game. Yeah. You know, so, so Bluger laid it all out there. Now, when everybody else elevates, can he elevate a bit more too? And do we see the best version of Teddy Bluger? Because we had a chance to chat with him at camp. Yeah. And 
he really believes he can do more than what he's shown so far. He thinks he can score more. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at his projections at times, and it's kind of like Brock Besser, how Besser hasn't hit his goal projections yeah. at times, but Teddy Bluger's point projections, goal projections, has actually been in the mid-30s points, been in like 15, 16 goal range. If you're a third-line center who's good defensively and score 15 goals, get 35 points or so, that that's really good, right? Yeah. He hasn't done that yet, but he's been on pace to do that. Can he actually do that? And if he does, then maybe we see him get a new contract, probably not in Vancouver, because he might price himself out of staying in Vancouver long term. But that's the bet Vancouver is making, right? I was very encouraged with what I saw from Teddy Bluger. I just want to see how much more he can elevate once everyone else elevates. So, you know, you mentioned he, he's hard match last night yeah. up to, to Connor McDavid. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen in the season, but you're not afraid to send him out there against another team's top line. Oh, you can live with it if he's out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and that's something that would be different from anything the Canucks have had since Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle were mm-hmm. in town. And that's, is it extremely valuable? I think it has a real value to it, just given that, especially if you start the year with Hoaglander on Elias Patterson's line, you're not going to want to go have those guys play against Tufts. Um, JT Miller, we've talked about this a ton. He can play against Tufts. But if you can get him away from some of those matchups, sometimes it might be even more beneficial and you might be able to get more out of JT Miller at five on five. If he's not having to be hard matched against the other team's top line as regularly as he was during the talk era at the end of last season. So that's where the extra value is that you can get out of a Teddy Bluger. And, you know, he's playing with Nils Oman and Jack Studnika and you're like, Hey, this is a fourth line. That's, it's got a little bit of jump to it, and you know I could see it playing a somewhat regular shift as it gets into the regular season, even with those two wingers he had. And they have decent size when you have a guy like Niels Oman and Studnika as well. And I mean, Oman's pretty tall, right? He's like six, I think six two, almost six three. He looks thicker, faster. He is I mean, bigger there's too, just like right? there's a lot to like about Niels Oman right now. And it's not a line that's going to necessarily lean on you heavily, but they got size, they got speed, they forecheck really well, they're responsible defensively. It's it's a legitimate checking line. Yeah, like or it could be a really good checking line, and that's. I mean, this team has been really missing and get away from JT and even Pedersen being the ones that ultimately are on the ice anytime yeah. another top line is out there. I think they'll still use them. I just wonder how much. And that's going to be a big, big key, I think, because to your point, if they're able to lean on them more in those situations and you can reduce the level of risk JT takes on shift yeah. to shift or game to game, I think that could make the team a lot better. But they have to be able to excel doing so too, yeah. right? And you, that's the other part of it. You you really want to see that more consistently. But last night was a really encouraging sign uh, from what we saw out of Teddy Bluger. And you know the Oilers' power play, whether it was the Canucks or even prior to the Canucks, has not been very good to start this preseason. Again, it's preseason. They were making the extra pass. They were... They were cruising a little bit they weren't at full go this isn't uh the real thing for the Edmonton Oilers just yet they're getting themselves ready to go but still some really encouraging signs just Bluger's reads his uh ability to identify where some of the danger is break up some of the passing lanes um it, it was just uh it, it was nice to see out of a player wearing number 53 um but Carson Soucy, I thought also looked good. I mean, there was some moments where you're like, okay, still not the most comfortable, but two things. Well, the the biggest thing that stood out for me with Carson Soucy, I liked him on the penalty kill. 
as I did a lot of players for the Canucks on the PK last night. But there was that one play, the breakup he had on McDavid trying to enter the Canucks zone. And and he's playing on the right side in that moment. So encouraging there. But something he talked about with us sort of popped into my head as I watched that play and his ability to defend with his stick and not necessarily being so physical in front of the net, but right. breaking up zone entries. And because he's so big and being able to cover a lot of space in that way, I think that's where Susie's defensive value can come in is even though he's not the best at breaking the puck out of his own end, maybe the opposition isn't getting as many clean zone entries when he's on the ice. He does a lot of good things in the in the defensive zone. You're right. Um, and I even think he does he did show some good physicality as well. There were moments where yeah. he did. like He will use the body and be physical when he does need to. And he did battle with Evander Kane in front of the net. Drew a penalty with yeah. uh, from Evander Kane, but he was battling with him and cross-checking and, and playing heavy. I think he does replace, to some extent, the physicality Luke Shen brought in those areas, which they needed to replace. Now, not quite as mean as, as Luke Shen, but still brings that type of presence that's going to be difficult to play against in those areas. In terms of breaking the puck out, that's where I, I like the positives. I also really worry about some of the issues in terms of how he... Well, if he's going to play with Tyler Myers, that's that's going to be a concern for that pair. Hey, listen, we watched uh, Carson Soucy in the scrimmage and it didn't look good. He looked far better in, in this circumstance, right? Yeah. In, the, in the actual game, he looked way better, which... Counts for more. Yeah, and Tyler Myers at times looked chaotic again. Yes. You know, in terms of trying to see the the calmer, better Myers, he looked great in the scrimmage. Didn't look as great in the in in the preseason. However, can they actually coexist a bit better? Mm-hmm. Can Myers move the puck more efficiently? And can they be a decent pair? Because I think he does need somebody next to him that's an efficient puck mover. Yeah. If you don't put that next to him, I think it's gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time in your own zone. He'll be fine defending in his own zone, but the more time you spend in your own zone, the more likely it is to finally crack open. And you can't spend that much time in your own end. But it comes down to the partner for him, I think. And I think not only do you need to have him on the left side, yeah, I think you also need to have a partner with him who's very efficient at moving the puck. And that's where maybe Christian Willannon comes in. Yeah, but he's not a righty. You got to play him on the right side. I, I, I don't know if Susie's right. going to be as effective playing the right side, especially if you want him to be as good as he can be defensively. You know, yeah. on entries, I can see how that can help. But in terms of being along the boards, it, it's a disadvantage playing your offside, especially for a guy who wants to use a stick along the boards, and it can get a little bit more difficult for him. So I do wonder about that a little bit, and that would be my one one concern. And it comes back to that question we've had since the past couple of weeks here. It's that, well, at least the last week. What are they doing on the right side? Yeah. Right? And I think that's going to affect Carson Soucy to a great extent if Tyler Myers can't get back to being a bit more proficient with the way he moves the puck. It uh, sort of highlights still the many question marks that are there for mm-hmm. the Canucks on defense. Do we consider Do we consider Cole McWard as a new addition for the team? I mean, he was added late last year, him and Hirose. Yeah. And Sasson, I mean, they're still newish yeah. additions. I mean, are you more impressed with how he's been playing? I think it's super interesting the way they deployed him last night. Yeah. Um, if you're going to have a six defenseman that you're really trying to shelter, that's probably the way that you would do it. But it's, of course, not an ideal situation. On the other hand... There's nothing ideal about what the Canucks have on the right side beyond 
Philip Ronick and Tyler Myers right now. Yeah, and even with Myers, it's been you know a big a big debate about it's how not that all even looks. ideal with Tyler Myers, right? So you have Philip Ronick that you can truly trust, and Myers is in the final year of his contract that saw him get overpaid by a couple of million. So it's never really been ideal, and that's really the whole conversation about the defense and some of the new additions is how's it going to work? Because you know you brought in two lefties, Cole and Susie. And you're still kind of wondering who that third right shot defenseman is going to be on this roster. And ultimately, it could be somebody playing their offside. You know, I mean, Susie has played his offside and he did so efficiently. I still think they carry three right shot defensemen on the roster. Yeah, at least. Yeah, at least. Yeah. You think they might carry four? So Juleson and McWard make it? No, probably not. Yeah. So they're going to carry three. Three. I can see three. I can, I can, I can see three, but I'm not even I wouldn't sh- say they start like three every single night, but yeah, they, I, they would carry three. I could see that. I'm not even, you know what? I, I'm, I don't want to, I don't like being on the fence yet. I don't know what they're going to do on the defense. Yeah. Yet. Like, I don't know what, what they're going to do yet. And, and I do think, I think they're still very much deciding that based yeah, on what they're seeing. Exactly. And that's why I'm not sure which way it's going to go quite yet. And as much as Cole McCord looks like he can do a lot of things well, and to your point, there's a way to live with it based on how you deploy him and, and everything. But, man, he played exclusively with Quinn last night. Yeah. Exclusively in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where, yes, the coaches can do that. one defensive zone start, yeah. I think. Pretty much, right? Yeah. So I think that's one of those things where you can coach that and be, you know, basically be very hands-on with your coaching in terms of making sure that happens all the time. But how much how much is uh, the squeeze worth the juice? Yeah. That's the question I have on him, and that's something we're going to have to see a bit more with him. But I, I think overall, it goes back to the team not being able to get another righty defenseman. Yeah. And I think the right move they made was okay, what type of defenseman are we lacking? Good defensive defenseman and guys that can be efficient on the PK. So we can't get the righty defenseman. We know they wanted Severson. They couldn't make that happen. He would have been the big addition if they could have. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you have Severson, you have Hronik, you have Hughes. You don't worry about the rest. You know, like yeah. that would have been the thing, but they couldn't make that happen. And then Luke Shen, he ended up getting a contract. I think the only uh, a contract that you probably would, wouldn't want to sign him to if you're Vancouver and the, all the other options, I don't think made sense outside of maybe Connor Clifton. Yeah, but even him, like he's not a big defenseman. They have already they already have Quinn Hughes, who's not the biggest defenseman. Would that have worked at a high level? You know, yeah. so you kind of wonder about that too to some extent. So I don't think there I mean, was a perfect solution. Probably last year they were expecting Ethan Bear to still be in the lineup. Yeah. Exactly. Until his injury at the World Championships. And maybe he does come back again, like we mentioned before, right? But I think the team couldn't address the righty defenseman side yeah. long term. So this this had to be piece a piece of together year and hope internally somebody emerges. I still look at McWard. I still look at um, the forwards like Atu, Ratu, for instance, as good as they've looked. To me, it makes more sense for them to go and play. Yeah. And then at some point in the season, when you haven't been able to make it work with whatever you have here, then you bring them up. And you see if they can be a solution. And if not, then maybe you look at trades, the offseason, you do something different. But that's the way I would view it. I, I think it's getting ahead of yourself by giving these guys big opportunities now just because you want to have a righty-lefty pair. Then Wasn't this the same problem this team had in the past where they just gave guys opportunities because, well, it's the best option we have and we, we may as well do this. So yeah. why would you want to do the same thing again? I don't think I don't think he's ready. I don't think To me, McCord doesn't look ready. To me, Ratu, as good as he is, doesn't look ready yet. Yeah. You know, like they need to go and play. And I don't think you should force them into the lineup just because you think they're the best option right now. So uh, those are some of the new additions. And, you know, it's very real that McWard may be the third best right shot D on the depth chart right now. 
yeah. given that Tom Olander is in college this year and stuff like that. But, you know, that doesn't mean you should force feed him onto the roster uh, if you have other options, even if it isn't ideal to have a left shot player playing on the right side. Like, how much better is McWard going to be than Noah Juleson? And I don't think Juleson's, like, you yeah. know, hasn't been all that great anyway. I mean, you, you saw that they could piece it together with Juleson at the end of last year. Yeah. And now you have more options. So if you're going to do the whole shelter a sixth defenseman type thing, maybe you could do that with Noah Juleson instead of Cole McWard. But ultimately... They may end up going with Carson Soucy playing on Quinn Hughes's right side and figure it out from there. And then it's Godspeed. Yeah, <laughs> Quinn, you're in hero mode a lot of the time on the ice. That's going to have to continue. Uh, all right. So some of the other new additions, as uh, we give our first impressions on some of these new additions, you can send in your six fifty six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, Ian Cole, we haven't seen him in game action yet, but. He is slated for a pretty big role on this roster, given he's playing next to Philip Aronik. The coaches said he really likes those two together. So I think it's going to take a lot to take that away from the coach when he's been so publicly, like he's admired it publicly, that he likes Cole and Aronik together, the fit together. Yeah, and I think... The thing with Cole, uh, with Ian Cole in contrast to Carson Soucy, for instance, is that Cole's a better puck mover than he, than Soucy is. And not that Cole's is great shakes, you know, offensive swashbuckling defenseman. Or anything. Uh, he's a former first round pick, you yep. know, scored a bunch in college. I know he's like in his 30s now, but, you know, he was no slouch coming through the, the, the National Hockey League. Precisely. And uh, so he's one of those things where when he plays within himself, it looks very, very like smooth and easy. Yeah. And that's why it can, I think, work with Hironic. Cause one of the things people are concerned about, especially when Hironic last year played with Ben Sherratt, Ben Sherratt's puck moving is not yeah. very good. He has other qualities and strengths. It didn't quite work given the, the toughs they played. But as soon as he played with someone like Oli Mata, who was more efficient in moving the puck, they really hit it off well. It's, it's a really good blend for his skill set to have a guy like that next to him. So, if Cole can just make the basic things and do it eff- effectively, I-, I think there is no reason why that pair shouldn't be like a really solid, if not matchup pair, just a solid second pair in the National Hockey League. It's um, it's one of the more intriguing things that we'll continue to watch and continue to see. But Cole, as much as I like Teddy Bluger last night, Cole has the potential to be the biggest impact free agent for this team. Because if the Canucks are able to develop a shutdown pair with Cole and Hironic, that allows them to do a lot of other things. I mean, it's just something they haven't really had. Yeah. You know, they were throwing out OEL and Myers in that type of a role the last couple of years. And especially last year, it really didn't work. So developing that would be huge. The one that, you know, I was excited about when the signing was announced, but... I'm still lukewarm on what I've seen so far is Pew Suter. Hmm. Um, he was part of the team. He was the first line center in that 10 nothing loss. Not that he was bad or anything in it, but um, it's just 
Bluger, I, I've seen more out of Bluger so far than I've seen out of Puce Shooter, I guess is the fair way for me to put it. Yeah, that's not unfair. I think the most uh, eyebrow-raising thing that happened was a head coach saying his conditioning can still up a notch, go up a notch. It wasn't quite, you know, ripping him really, but he did kind of mention he can do better in the conditioning aspect or fitness aspect of things. And that's never a good place to start with yeah. a new head coach. So that's kind of why, why I wonder, not that he's not, not going to make the team, he'll be on the team, but how big of an opportunity he's going to have right out of the gate. And based on deployment, I don't think we should refer to Suter as a third-line center. I think we should refer to Beluger's line as a third-line. Because I think they're going to... They might be listed as the fourth-line center, but, but they might play end more. up playing more. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's one thing. And ultimately... Do him and Garland work? Because they did show, they have shown when they were on the ice together, that there's something there between them. Some chemistry. Yeah. And if that's something that can work out, then yes, there'll be a line that maybe gets some soft minutes, but they can be very effective in soft minutes. Like, I don't mind having a third or a fourth line that can eat up soft minutes. That's yeah. great. Yeah, sure, you want to give some of those to your top guys, but your top guys always have to end up going head-to-head a lot or play the top six a lot or the third line a lot. So... I'm a big proponent of giving players who can have success in those situations. And that's where I think they can have some success. But I think it's going to take a, quite a bit more work from Pia Suter to earn the trust of the head coach to play all situations. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, look, his profile suggests he can play uh, defensive minutes if he needs to. He can play on the PK if he needs to. But uh, still more to prove through this preseason. And uh, we'll likely see... Pew Suter in the lineup tonight, given he was not in the lineup last night for the Vancouver Canucks. Let's get to some of the thoughts on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, this text came in. We're talking about soft minutes, tough minutes, uh, playing against toughs. Yes. What is toughs? Uh, toughs is just a simple way of saying, you know, this is a line that's going to go up against the other team's best players. So yeah. you're getting the tough minutes. Yeah, and you're playing, you're taking uh, defensive zone face-offs. Mm-hmm. You're playing late game situations, critical moments. You're on the PK at times even. So tough says, yeah, any tough situation you can think of for a forward to be in yeah. is kind of where these guys have to play. Um, this text, what do you think about putting Myers with Susie and then putting the top two pair, uh, the top pair defensemen together? So... Uh, the text referring to putting Hughes and Heronic together and having Susie and Myers play together. I mean, sure. I think we'll see that at times in the game. I'm not sure that's that's your second pair. Yeah. Could Cole Myers work? Then Cole you put Myers? Susie on your third pair. I, I, I mean, who? What else? Op, what other option do you have? I mean, I guess you could play Cole on his right side with Susie. Yeah. But I don't think. I think that's not the. They pairs. did it in Minnesota before. Yeah, but it's a third pair. Yeah. I guess you could just like load up Hughes and Heronic and then. If I'm going to play Cole on his right side, I'd probably do it with Quinn. Yes, but if you're, if the idea is putting Quinn and Heronic together, right? Then then that doesn't make sense. I should I, pay attention to the text. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. Like there are different. That's why I do wonder at some point. I'm, we are going to see Cole and Hughes together too. Yeah, I think we'll see that at times. Well, I think that's sort of the way that this is shaping up. Is the Canucks D pairs might be a bit of a chameleon, you know? Yeah. Like we're, we're going to see a lot of different guys. Hughes and Heronic are going to play close to 25 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. And unless, you know, it's like a blowout type game and you don't have to, you know, use them on, in a ton of minutes, but that doesn't happen often and it won't happen often for this team. So they're both going to play 25 minutes a night, which means they're going to play with different players as you kind of spread out the minutes between the other four guys while Hughes and Heronic eat up, a 
ton of minutes. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We'll get to more of your texts coming up for those that are listening live. Coming up next, Harmon Dial of The Athletic is going to join us on Canuck Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.